Hello, welcome to another edition of Hit The Lights podcast. I've got a very special guest with me today, all the way from Wales, Keith Jones. How are we doing? I'm very good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, not bad, thank you. You uh, keeping busy at the moment? Too busy at the moment, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's looking good. And not <laughs> enough hours in the day and not enough days in the week. Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. In terms of uh, the work you're carrying out then, what, what kind of work are you undertaking at the moment? Well, um, I'm a I'm a co-director in a, in a, a mechanical and electrical building services consultancy based, uh, as you said, in, in West Wales, predominantly carrying out electrical design uh, on um, residential, commercial, industrial, education, all kinds of installations, really new and refurbs. And it's uh, it's it's been a fairly long journey, six years to get to a point where we've got a good customer base and uh, we, we don't have to look for work. It just comes in that's uh, nice, and repeat, which is good. We do healthcare as well. No, it's that's brilliant. pretty buoyant at the moment. Long that's, may it last. Yeah, no, definitely 100%. Um, I, I'm going to take, we'll, we'll go on a, on a bit of a journey then. So what, what was your... Uh, entrance into the electrical industry well it's uh it started in 1978 uh three days after my 70th birthday um if i take you further back two years and that and to my uh to my school days mm. um i didn't do very well in my all levels the first time i sat them much to my father's uh disappointment um so i went back to school and uh and repeated my all levels and i did fairly well uh, my father wanted me to do A-levels, uh, follow my sister uh, in, into um, grammar school. I was in uh, what they call a secondary modern school, not quite good enough to get to grammar school. But um, I wasn't very academic, uh, never have been. Um, he uh, he was disappointed, but I said, look, I'm going to try for a couple of jobs. And there was a company in Slovenia. it was a German company called Tissens. Probably heard of Tissens, Tissen Krupp. Um, they they do all kinds of oil and gas work. Uh, they manufacture escalators, elevators, etc. Um, uh, they had a, a fairly large engineering works in Sanetti. Um They came predominantly came over to uh, to sink colliery shafts, uh, mine shafts, and they established uh, a very very strong engineering presence in in uh, South Wales. Uh, and I actually applied to be a quantity surveying, trainees quantity surveying, surveyor. And my second choice was was installation electrician. Didn't know what an installation electrician <laughs> was, but it sounded better than being a bricklayer and a carpenter. So a bit more technical. So I put it down as my second choice. Um, at the same time, I was playing rugby uh, for a youth team in Pontevedra. And uh, unbeknown to me, the secretary of the um, of the of, of the rugby club, uh, a gentleman by the name of Eldon Lewis, who's no longer with us, he gave me a he, he called me to one side and he said uh, you've applied for a job as a as a quantity surveyor. I said yeah, I don't know what that is. He said do you like counting bricks? And I said I don't like counting full stop, Eldon. <laughs> he said no, you don't want to do that, boy. He said you want to be an installation electrician. And I said, have I got a chance? He said, well, I'm the deputy manager of the uh, of the electrical section. He said, you got a damn good chance. So I had an interview. Um, I had all the qualifications we needed. 
and he took me on as an apprentice. Uh, I was JIB indentured, and for four years I was put on different sites, uh, commercial, industrial, retail, um, steelwork sites. We were on a large steelworks job in Snatley. And during that four years, I experienced all aspects of electrical installation work. Apart from domestic, we didn't wire houses. And mm. I didn't wire a house till I was 24 years old, um, believe it or not. Uh, it was something that we didn't do. Um, but, and that was doing it as a hobble. Um, I finished my time. My, my, my four-year apprenticeship finished on the 11th of August, 1992. And I was actually one of the only apprentices kept on um, as an electrician. Uh, and I worked on site with, with Tissons for approximately six months. Um, really enjoying it. The money was good uh, at the time. It was GIB rate. I was a young man. I wasn't married. Uh, and my father uh, used to get a paper called uh, the Western Mail uh, every day. And on Thursday, it will have um, about three or four pages full of jobs. And he turned to me and he says, have you seen this job by your boy? You might be able to apply for this. And it was for an electrical engineering technician with uh, with the local county council. And it was a design technician job. Um, so I inquired a bit more with, with the guys in work. And they said, well, it's, it's the consultancy side of it. It's doing the drawings. I don't mind doing that because I used to do engineering drawing in, in school. Uh, I got my O level in it. Oh, let's give it a go. Um, so I applied. I had an applicant. I had uh, an interview, and I was successful in getting the job. So I think it was in 19. It was March 83. I started as an engineering uh, technician uh, with David County Council. Prior to that, I'd, I'd, I'd um, completed all my sitting gills, uh, 236 part one, 236 part two. We didn't do a course C. We had to do a 232 part three in uh, uh, electrical power and utilization, um, which I'd also passed. So when I went to, to work for the council as a technician, I was allowed to do a, 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 a national certificate and a higher national certificate in um in electrical engineering at the local technical college, um, which I completed in 1987. Um, during my time with uh, with the council, um, I was lucky enough to uh, design installations in uh, in schools, um, mainly uh, um, refurbs of toilet blocks, uh, the old bog job, uh, standard bog job as you used to call them. Um, there's quite a few of those classroom refurbs. Um, I designed a new school on my own, uh, primary school, which was uh, which was an experience. Um, and um, at the time, David, uh, David Powers Police Authority were having a brand new uh, headquarters being built in Carmarthen, and uh, I was involved uh, as part of the design team for, for that build as well, which was that was a fairly sort of big job at the time. Mm. Um, I'm still there, and it's been rewired since just to show my age, really. Um, <laughs> but I learned a lot on that. I, I, I worked there for about five and a half years. Uh, it was good times, learned a lot. There was no computers then. Used to number crunch everything. So all our cable cocks were done by hand. Um, all our lighting cocks were done by hand. So you had, to, you, know, you had to learn the fundamentals of it all so that you could understand what you were doing with regard to, to the calculations, etc. The electrical 
cable cocks weren't a problem because it was something I learned in college uh, doing my sitting gills. But the uh, the lightning calculations, that was something completely new to us. So, yeah, it was, it was a, a steep learning curve, but a good learning curve, you know. Mm. Did you find at that time, like you say, with the, the lighting calcs, did you have to do a lot of verification in terms of checking the lux levels afterwards to, re- to verify? Um, well, yeah, I think it was, a, yeah, it looks right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it's pretty good. To be honest with you, it, we was pretty stringent, you know. Um, you, you had to make sure that you were getting your sort of average values. Um, and, and at the time... Uh, when you carry out the lighting calc, you you actually built in a maintenance factor and utilization factor of 0.8. So you actually allow for a 20% reduction in light when you actually do the calculation. Mm. So you'd, you'd automatically meet the minimum, you know, the required level, uh, which was set by SIBSI, uh, the Chartered Institute of Building Services Engineers. They had a lighting guide and used to get your lighting levels off them. So you knew that if your cart was fairly good, you were going to get more than the light you required uh, prior, you know, because of that 20% reduction that you actually you automatically built in. And if you use something like Dialux or Relux these days, um, you still do the same. Because lights diminish, you know, with life. The lighting output, the lumen output reduces. And also um, with, with, you know, maintenance, lack of maintenance, if they don't get cleaned, et cetera. Diffusers don't get cleaned down. Um, louvers don't get cleaned down. You're going to lose some light naturally, you know. Yeah, I suppose, um, particularly, I suppose, back in the, what was it, 80s, 90s, you would have been heavily fluorescent in, in terms oh, of the yes. lighting. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, T8s, yeah. Big 125-watt, uh, uh, 8-foot tubes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't even get them these days on 100 watts. And then the T5s came in, of course. Yeah, and then the compact presses came in, and then they brought something in called LEDs, and uh, that was a poof. I, yeah. I thought that would never catch on because of the cost. And look at us now, it's standard. I yeah. remember that in 2008 actually, and, uh, they started introducing uh, introducing LED lights. Um, but I thought when when we discussed cost with with the manufacturers, uh, I thought this is never going to catch on, mm. and uh, it's, it. It, it has. It's like anything, isn't it? Things things evolve, and uh, the demand is there, and costs go down accordingly. Yeah, so I, like laws of supply and demand. I think I remember the probably similar sort of time around the 2000, maybe 2010 mark. We the the first instance I came across of an LED fitting was installing it in um, Broadmoor Hospital, right? Um, and it was just for security reasons that you couldn't have the lamps you couldn't have all that sort of stuff so having a sealed unit fixed into a ceiling grid kind of solved that problem and like you yeah. say it's it's just grown from there hasn't it it has it's gone crazy yeah isn't that you know it's changed the whole uh, industry effectively in terms of energy consumption yeah you know, it's, it's been a it's been positive in that respect so you obviously mentioned you, you went into kind of design roles, consulting. I understand you went into teaching as yeah, well. Yeah, I had six years. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had six years uh, as an FE lecturer in um, uh, Kamalinshire College, or it was Kamalinshire College of Technology and Art at the time. It's called Kamalinshire College, you know, College Shirgar in Welsh. Um, yeah, I, I went in there as a, 
I think it was about 29. Um, I was working for a consultancy in Bridgend, and unfortunately, um, they bounced a paycheck. Um, I had a young family at the time, and I couldn't afford to go without pay. So I turned turned around to the mechanical engineer I was working with, and I said, Steve, I said, that's never going to happen again. And he said, why? Because I'm not going to be here long enough for it to happen again. <laughs> and he said, serious, you're going to go? I said, they're not mucking me around. I, I said, I work. I do a good day's, I do a hard day's work. I said, they get the money's worth out of me. They should pay me on time. If they can't pay me on time, then there's no job here for me. There's no pay. There's no job. So um, I, I, try, um, I was looking again, the Western Mail, and the, the, here comes this job um, as a lecturer. I applied for it, had the interviews, um, and I, I started work there um, in uh, ooh, where were we? September 1989. And the ironic thing is, I was working with the very guys that used to teach me as an apprentice, Fred Johan and Hugh Griffith. Uh, they were immense teachers, uh, characters in their own right. Um, mm. And I, um, it was, it was, it was unbelievable that. I was now, uh, you know, a colleague of these guys after being four years in college with them and having them call us all kinds of names, uh, <laughs> mostly uh, stupid and idiot. Uh, and uh, there I was um, on par with them, a colleague uh, in all of them, to be honest with you. After after all, they, they you know, they, they taught me everything I knew, and uh, it was it was uncanny, really. Um, and I worked there for I think it was six years. And I don't know if you remember the times. Um, you used to do a sitting gills part one, a two, three, six part one and part two and a course C. And then they brought in uh, an NVQ system. Mm. Um, and this was, you know, not the EM1 and EM2 when you get an NVQ level three straight away after completing. Um, it was you had to tick a box and gather evidence. Um, I thought, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life ticking boxes and doing assessments. That's not what I'm in this game for. Um, so I thought I'm going to go back to industry. I got in dis- disenchanted with it, to be honest with you, Gary. It was um, it wasn't the way I thought the system should have gone. And and to this day, you know, you're talking the best part of uh, 30 years later. I still don't think it was the way we should have gone. Um, I used to call them NVQs, no value qualifications. It's 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 spoiled industry. Um, and, and what they've done to our industry, uh, the education in our industry after that, with the two, th- I, I can't even remember what the course uh, numbers and names are these days. There's so many of them. I think they've ruined it. I think they have ruined it. They've, they've devalued it. They've, um, they've um, dumbed down the qualifications and the curriculum. And we're not producing the electricians we were 20, 30 years ago. You will get... You know, uh, the better ones, they'll come through and they'll go on and do their HNCs and do their degrees. But not like it used to be. Um, uh, it, it, people used to be able to get on and, and, and get better jobs from being an electrician. I don't see that these days. You know, I, I can't see it. Uh, you know, there's a shortage of electricians now, which is sad for the industry. You know, I get I get contractors ringing me up. I say, do you know of anybody looking, uh, any sparks looking for work? I'd usually turn around, do you know any designers looking for work? Yeah. Because there's a shortage throughout the industry of, of good people, you know, um, because I don't think we've invested or educated correctly. 
But mm. there you go. It's out of my hands. I just just got to get on with it. Yeah. In, in terms I did of the six years in a college, and I went back to industry. In terms of the MVQ, then, if, if that wasn't the answer, what what do you think was a preferable route to have gone down? I don't think it was a broken system to start with. You know, okay. I I was lucky enough to get a GIB indentured apprenticeship, but I taught guys in the college uh, who worked for one man band contractors who just did a two three six one and two three six two, and and and. Even someone went on to to do Part C, uh, the Course C, um, Advanced Craft, and they were good electricians, and they had a good technical knowledge coming out of the college to take back into work with them. And all right, they they didn't get to work on all the, uh, all the sort of disciplines, you know, the uh, the commercials and the industrials and the domestics, but they understood it. Um, but I don't think the system was broken at all. Um, they sh- but, but, you know, uh, I think the government at the time had this vision of everybody being able to get to a level three NVQ. And then that's the way it was. I mean, I, I used to teach um, uh, mature guys coming in, you know, who were uh, in, in their 30s, 40s and 50s uh, who wanted to come in the industry. And they, they could pick up the course on the 2361, 2362. And, uh, you know, they'd be, they'd, be good, they'd be good guys to employ. Some went self-employed, started their own companies. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think they've actually solved the problem with NVQs. That's my own belief. Mm. No, that's, that's, fair, that's fair enough. You know, we're all um, entitled to opinions and stuff. I, it's, it's difficult for me because I've never known anything but. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's hard, it's hard I, I think to comment. maybe I'm, I'm a bit. I, I'm not afraid of change. You have to. You have to embrace change. And change is good. I'm going to say you take how our indices changed with the introduction of the 18th edition and, and the, uh, the uh, um, equipment that's been installed with that, being introduced to that, you know, EFTDs, SPDs, etc. We've had to embrace all that. PVs, battery chargers, uh, EV, uh, sorry, battery storage systems, EV chargers. If you can't embrace change, uh, then you can't move, move up, move forward. I have to do it now. I, I, Doing courses with Solar Edge now. Um, I do courses online with the IET, and I'm continually, you know, developing my my knowledge. But I don't know. I don't. I, I, I'm I'm old fashioned. I, I think I like the old system. I was comfortable with it, and it produced good electricians. Saying that, I've been out of education for the best part of 30 years. I've been back recently. I did my uh, EL periodic inspection and testing on my initial inspection and testing exams and practical. I've got to be honest with you, they gave me the handouts one week. I tried the initial exam the second week, the periodic the third week, and then I went out back after Christmas to do the the, uh, practical. I didn't do any lessons, passed it all. But that's because of my background and the fact that I I self-teach. I learn you know, on my time with the NICEIC as well, which is, I know, is something you want to talk about, because I was lucky enough to work for them um, after, well, about three years after leaving college. Uh, after leaving college, I went to work as a plant services engineer in a fairly large uh, automotive parts uh, factory in uh, in, Slenesi, in uh, West Wales. Uh, 
during that time, I was in charge of all utilities. And that's what I got involved with, uh, high voltage, 11,000 volts. Uh, I was the senior authorised person uh, in charge of a, a fairly large MKV uh, ring, mm. uh, which uh, circulated the, um, the the facility. I don't like MKV. I don't like switching <laughs> MKV. It's, uh, it's, you've you got to have your wits about you. Um, and uh, you've only got to, Get one thing wrong on this on this on the switching strategy, and you can, um, you know, blow a few things up, which uh, <laughs> is always uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I was doing the LV distribution, the HV, um, the process water, the compressed air, uh, argon gas, uh, all, all kind nitrogen. We had a nitrogen gener- generating plant, which I was in charge of. It was that was that was interesting, and I enjoyed the job, but I couldn't get on with my boss. <laughs> he was a bit different, and that's when I applied for the job in 1989 with the NICIC. Um, an application came up, uh, a vacancy came up. Sorry, uh, a gentleman by the name of Spencer Evans had been doing the job for many many years, and he had a very good reputation. He um, he sadly passed away, so they advertised the job. Um, which, which again, I think I saw in the Western Mail. Yeah, I was going to say. Did you see <laughs> yeah, <it in> the... <laughs> it might have been the Western Mail, or it might have been in the Connections magazine. I can't remember. And I thought I'll, I'll give that a go. So I, I thought I might as well try. So I had, um, I, I, I filled my application form in. I was invited up to um, the Albert Embankment. They were, they were in London at the time, uh, not far from Tintagel House by the Vauxhall. Had an interview there. The first one was a technical interview. <laughs> I'd walked from, I didn't know, you know, I hadn't been to London since I was about four year old. So I didn't have my a clue where I was going. But um, I thought, shall I get a taxi or shall I just walk? But I had about two hours to spare. So I thought, well, I've got a good idea where it is. So if I walk now to Buckingham Palace, I'd be going in the right direction. So there I was. In a, in a bloody suit with a tie on, walking through London with a briefcase going to this interview. I, and I got there and they called me in and they introduced uh, themselves. And I'd say it's uncanny how things work out. <laughs> but there was a guy, uh, um, Graham Retton was a technical director. Um, and uh, he introduced me to a guy by the name of Jeffrey Stokes, right? Now, Jeffrey Stokes was a clever guy. He, he was the number one engineer with the NIC at the time. And he'd, he'd, he'd uh, written uh, a book, which was a pretty thick book called uh, The Practical Guide to the, uh, to, the, um, to the Wiring Regulations, which I happened to have a copy in my briefcase. Uh-huh. So they go around us, oh, this is uh, Graham Retton. I'm Graham Retton. This is um, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. At um, Terry Park, uh, and uh, this is uh, Jeffrey Stokes. I go, what the Jeffrey Stokes? Mm-hmm. And he goes, what do you mean? He said, the author Jeffrey Stokes. And he said, yes. Well, I said, he's just so happens I've got your book in my briefcase. So I get the book out and I show it to him. And he goes, well, have you really? I said, will you do me a favour? I said, when I finish the applica- uh, the interview, will you sign my book for me? Of course, 
this guy is now going, oh, his chest is out by us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, this guy thinks I'm great. So I can see now Graham Retton's got his head in his hands. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, they go through this technical interview. And um, most of the questions they are getting, I'm, I'm getting them sort of fairly well right, okay? And it's it's going really well. And then he this bloody Jeffrey Stokes, he's on his own, he says, he said, what's the safe touch voltage, he said, on a TNCS PME system? Bang, I go. 50 volts. And he goes, is it? And I'm going, well, it is for the TT system. He said, yes, it is. You're right, he said. But what's the safe, what's the touch voltage on a, on, a, on a TNCS PME system? I go, oh, crikey, I'll have to think about this. And he said, you got a regs book there. He said, you can pick it up and, uh, and look for the answer. And I said, nah, I said, I'm not doing that. He said, why not? I said, because I'm going to look a bigger fool than I do now, because I'm going to spend the best part of 25 minutes looking for an answer, and I'm not going to find them. I, and he just laughed. I said, you know, I said, it's times like this. You wish a big one, two, five would go past the window, and I could jump on and take me back to South Wales. I said, <laughs> and he just burst out laughing, and it was it. We just got on like house on fire. Anyway, the interview went really well. At the end, Jeff Stokes came in. And he's, he's, he writes in my book and he says, to Keith, all the very best for the future, Jeffrey Stokes. Whoop, got the book. Invited back for a second interview, which was just a personal interview, just to, you know, medical, that type of thing, and questions about when could I, you know, if I got the job, when can I start? Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get the job. I tell you what, Gary, that was one hell of a learn, uh, steep learning curve. Um, what they, you think you, you know, after teaching for six years, being an electrician from the time I was 17, I've been in college for four years, learning as an apprentice, you think that you know quite a bit. Mm. And then you get a job like that and you realize that you're only touching the top tip of the iceberg. What you don't know is is, is unbelievable. You you know, you, you think you know it and you don't. The, um, the first week... They send they send you for three weeks training at that time. I don't know whether they do the same now. They send you for three weeks training to three different regional engineers. I was sent to three guys. Um, one was um, Peter Barnfield, a nice gentleman. He used to cover Hereford, uh, Worcester, and and East Wales, so he was fairly local. Got on with Peter like a. a like nothing, he was absolutely, we were just like good mates. He was a bit older than I was. Uh, but the first week I sent, I spent up in the Midlands with a guy by the name of Martin Homer. Uh, Martin was similar age to myself. He'd been with the NIC for about two years and uh, came from a design background like myself. He, he My first work with it, week with him, uh, I learned a heck of a lot. Um, he, uh, he said, don't trust electrical contractors, he said, until you really get to know them. He says, because they'll take a piss out of you soon. I looked at you, some of them, he said, because they, they'll only show you what they want to show you, and they'll hide what they don't want to show you. Uh, <laughs> I go, well, people aren't honest. People mm-hmm. in West Wales, most of them are honest. So there's a bit green like that, he said. Nah, some of the guys I deal with up here, he said, you won't be like, you won't believe it. Uh, and true to his word, they were, they were characters. 
Um, they try to gear, they try to divert you to the job. Oh, I can only get access to this job and that job. I can't take you there because you go through certificates and you say, can you take me here? Can you take me there? You'd be looking for your shoes on your certificates. So you're going, oh, can you take me here? This looks like an interesting job. Oh, no, I can't get in there. I'm sorry, no access. So they, you, you'd be forced to go where they want you to go up to a point. Not everybody's like that. It was a minority. But, um, yeah, there were some real characters up there. Um, so I did that. I did three weeks training, and they, um, Martin came down for, an, for a week then to watch me perform on my own as a, as a sort of a, a bystander. And then they left me go. We had a, they set you up an office in the house, telephone line. Uh, it was before the days of internet. Everything was handwritten. At the end of the week, you had a half day on, on Friday. Uh, and the Friday afternoon, you'd put all your reports into a, into a bag, along with your expenses uh, and any other paperwork. And you'd take it to the post office and you'd send it off to London. And then you'd have stuff coming back the other way. And then I think in the third year, they started, the uh, internet had started really taking off and uh, they went on to computerized systems then. Mm. But still handwritten. I think we were still, yeah, we were still handwritten, but we were booking off computer off the computer then. Prior to that, we were doing letters manually, you know, standard letter, fill in the contractor's name, put the date and the time and send it in the post. Um, but then they brought the computerized system in and we actually booked them on the computer and head office was sending out, uh, out the, out the um, appointments. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a change there. It was it was good to see. Uh, it's totally changed now because you're probably aware that in 2016, I went back to work with them as an, asses- as an associate assessor for three years, uh, three days a week, which was a total different ball game again it, it, it was uh, the magic pen and then we want the tablet mm. uh, so things had sort of moved on considerably when I went back there yeah. after the best part of uh, well, 16 uh, yeah 15 14 15 years did you did what were the some of the major differences that you noticed between your first in and your second in in terms of contractors oh, performance crazy. state of the industry were there some major differences oh yes yeah um Domestic installers. The domestic installer had only just come in just after I'd left. Um, so I missed that on the first time around because we were only doing approved contractors. And we used to look at some contractors who had what was called the defined approval. For example, if they were only doing condition reports and that type of thing, we'd only assess them against condition reports or periodics, as they were called in PIRs. And then when I went back, Gary, the amount of qualifications, different qualifications an electrician could have from a short three, you know, three week wonder course or whatever they were to a, to a fully fledged apprenticeship. And and the different qualifications, EAL, sitting girls, I was like, my God. So you'd, you'd, you, when you were doing an applica- applicant, the qualified supervisor would say, like, what, what qualifications have you got? And you'd have a, this, this, this would come up on a tablet maybe different, 20 different qualifications that he could have. And you'd have to check which one he had against mm. this list. And it was, it was a, what the heck's going on here? Why, why have we got electricians who can have all these different qualifications? What's happened to the industry? You know, it, and I think that's what's why my mindset is like it is now. 
with regard to apprenticeships and, and, and qualifications, because I think we're fiddling around with it too much. You know, you want to be an to me. If you want to be an electrician, there should be one stream, one one uh, one curriculum, maybe and with maybe two or three or four different uh, awarding bodies, EL, Sittingles, uh, you know, Scot the Scottish equivalents. And if you follow that, you get all the knowledge you need to become a competent electrician. It doesn't make you a competent electrician. But it gives you the knowledge you need, yeah. But all of a sudden, you had all these courses, and all and all the inspection and testing courses, because they fiddled with that as well, haven't they? Let's 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 be honest about it. Started off with the sitting gills two four hundred. I taught that in college, design, erection and verification of electrical installations. That was one hell of a course. I uh, I did a HNC right. I want to see an agency. But I have never sat an exam as hard as a 2400 exam. That was really, really searching. It, it was, you really knew you had to have your wits about you to do that exam. Um, it, it was searching for your knowledge and your understanding of BSM 6.1. It was a good qualification. Then they, they, uh, they decided that the verification of that wasn't sufficient uh, to give you the necessary knowledge and experience to become a qualified supervisor. So then they bought the 2391 out, didn't they? You know, if you remember that. And that was a hard exam as well, because you had the written part and the multi-choice part. And again, you had to search all your experience and your knowledge to, to actually answer those questions. But the exams I did the other day, the EL ones, they were all multi-choice. It wasn't hard. Two, you know, you got four questions, you got four possible answers, two are complete red herrings, and you got a 50 50 chance of selecting the right one. How can you fail that? Well, I suppose they're only red herrings if you know they're red herrings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two are close, one's right, one's close, and two are absolute rubbish. Yeah. I remember Dave, when I worked <laughs> when I worked for the NIC, we had a guy by the name of a, a senior engineer by the name of Dave Roydhouse, and he was probably my age what my age is now in his 60s and he said do you know he said i took this exam home on the weekend and i asked my uh i think she was 65 my 65 year old mother to to uh to have a go at it multi-choice um regs exam and she passed (laughs) (laughs) it says says it all doesn't it about these multi-choice question papers yeah you know it's uh and, and that's what I get a lot of education establishments. Not every one of them. They don't teach you how to apply the regs when you do a regs course. They teach you how to pass the exam. Mm. But you don't know how to take that reg and apply it to the installation, to the design process, to the installation process, to the verification process. It's, they, they, don't, they don't teach you to do that. There's no application. If you listen to somebody like... Um, Dave Watts, back in India, and the E5 group, you know, what they did with the last amendment and those podcasts they put or webinars they put out. Poor. I learned. I, I was low. I'd mow the lawn with my headphones on. And I, it would be going, they would be talking about real things, not passing exams, how, how these changes are going to affect your work, whether you're a designer or an installer or commissioner, 
what you've got to look out for, what you've got to know, what knowledge you're going to need, how it's going to affect you uh, in terms of, of, of producing an installation that is going to comply with SEM6, SEM1. It was it it was a total eye opener for me that nobody's done that before, you know. Mm. Um, Dave Watts back in India, I've listened to his his um, some of his podcasts. It's absolutely brilliant. It, it's so enlightening, you know. The the knowledge they they provide. It's better than any some of sometimes it's better than any college course you can go on because he he he's got a part. They've got part. They've got a passion for it. They, they they want the industry to get to get better. They want people to become more competent, and it's all positive stuff. And you know we don't have to pay a penny for it. It's there for you. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it, I mean the the amount of content on podcasts, YouTube. There's there's kind of almost no excuse anymore that um, to to it's, not find it for free. Certainly. I call it the university of life. If you yeah. can't learn off YouTube, you don't get me wrong, Gary. There's some crap on it, yeah? And you've just got to say, yeah, okay, right, let's go on to the next one. But after a while, you get, you get to know who you can listen to and what content is, is worth listening to, you know, by the quality and the, and the, and the content that's included. But I, I've got to be honest, I, I, I listen to your podcasts. I've listened to most of them. I enjoy them. Some interesting people on there. And I, I, I might I might listen to this one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Probably with uh, with my head in my hand going, oh, shut up, Jones. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very good friends with Paul Skirm. And uh, I found that a difficult uh, listen. Yeah, it is, it's it's an, uh, an emotional one, you know. Oh, it, yeah. It's um, the, the, I've, do you know what I found? I'm having more of them, um, as as the conversations have progressed and the you know people, uh, w- so willing to be open and, and share is um is fantastic to to be able to do it. Well, funny enough, way. I was with Paul this morning. I was in his house, so I was borrowing a a power analyzer off him. Um, I had a quick chat with him. Um, only for five minutes. My uh, I had to go and install it. Um, you good lad. Really good at. But the ironic thing is, um, when I was with the NIC, um, he was uh, the last time I was with them. I, I think it must have been 2017. That was the first time I actually met him. I went to assess him, mm. and I thought, uh, you know, when you meet somebody, you think, shit, this guy knows his onions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, shit, this guy knows his onions. I can't. I'm not. I'm just gonna go with this. I'll go whatever he wants me to take because he knows so much. He yeah. is so knowledgeable, and I I talk to him then, and I think, oh, you know, you can feel threatened by people like that <laughs> who are so knowledgeable. I think, oh, crikey, oh, I hope he doesn't ask me any questions I don't know the answers for. But he never got to that. We've we we've actually worked together as well. When I've had some work that I've been able to push pass his way, I've been able to do it. He is not much. He doesn't know mind. You know, he is. Mm. Uh, He's up there with uh, with with the clever with the clever ones. Yeah, no, he certainly came across, you know, yeah, reeling yeah. off of, um, standards and he's, and. and he's passionate as well. Yeah. Really passionate. Yeah, I think that's a Welsh thing. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's uh, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
back onto your your journey then so you've kind of gone back and forth what are you, what are you doing at the moment then you're back to consulting again yeah yeah we've um started off in 2016 as i said with the nic doing three days a week and in the other two days a week i started sort of getting has fitted drawings one air manuals a little bit of design work predominantly from contractors and of course um what happens then your name gets around um and uh, I slowly, over three years, built up to a point where um, I was I was practically ha- um, in a place where I was getting sufficient work, uh, and I didn't I couldn't really fit the NIC work in. It was it it was it was causing problems with uh, not enough days in a week, so I started pulling back to the point where um, the, the regional engineering manager said, "You're not booking many." Um, um, appointments and I said I'm I'm sorry I can't I've got other work um, and he was always quiet before Christmas and, and after New Year nobody wanted to see you before Christmas and if that was your only source of income then you know you you'd be left with no money so I had to make a decision look I got all this work something's got to go so I I, I pulled back on the NIC in the, in the February the March of 2019. And I was in a good place with my own work. So I thought, oh, no, it's no one ever. My children have all grown up. Uh, my stepchildren have all grown up. It's just me and the missus. So I thought, it's not so bad. Uh, let's give it a go. And um, apart from one glitch, in, uh, um, <laughs> it was January 2020, 2020 sorry. Um, I had loads of work, Gary, but nobody was paying me and I had thousands of thousands of pounds out and I was I couldn't see where it was coming from coming in I couldn't finish the project so I could invoice them mm-hmm. so I went to work back into uh, oil and gas because I've, I've got a history in, uh, of working in oil and gas not only in this country but um, in Kazakhstan as well um, so I went back to work for a consultancy in, in Pembroke uh, as a as a lead electrical designer um, uh, unlimited company, um, and it was. I started on March the third, twenty twenty. On March the twenty third, they were telling us to go home because of COVID. Mm. Take the computers with us and work from home. So I had to get broadband installed in the house, um, and we were remote working, and and that was fine for a month, maybe two months, and all of a sudden that started really going downhill. The work started drying up and I was only, instead of doing sort of 40 hours a week, I was doing 10 hours, 20 hours, five hours, eight hours. So the money was diminishing. But at the same time, the building trade started going the other direction. So the consultancy work started getting to a point where it was, it was, it was, it was bringing more money in than the oil and gas work. And at that time, um, I was working in uh, in a loose partnership with uh, with a mechanical engineer, mechanical building services engineer, uh, by the name of Wayne Tower. And uh, if I had if I needed a mechanical engineer, he'd I'd sub to him and vice versa. But people didn't. Some of our clients didn't like that. They wanted a one-stop shop. So uh, in 2000, I think it was August 2020, we we registered. Um, our own building services consultancy, uh, M&E consultancy, where we both directors called MEP Building Services Consultants Limited. And i got to be honest, it's the best thing we've done. 
we hopefully we've got a, a fairly good reputation. Um, we do, uh, you know, we're not perfect, but we think we give our clients value for money. We give them a good service to the point where we 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 don't know what we're doing in terms of um, expanding the company. You know, there's it's, we're at that point now. The only difference is that you know the only problem is I'm 61 and I've probably got another 10 years left in work. I'll probably work till I'm 72, 73 um, if I'm still alive by then. Uh, Wayne's in his early 50s. So and but there's, there's no where we live. It's odd. He lives just on the outskirts of Swansea. I live in Camarthen. The closest consulting engineers we've got, I've got you in West Wales, is in Pembroke. Uh, I'm the only consulting engineer. Well, we're the only consulting engineer in Camarthen, Slaneti, Swansea area. Small consulting engineer. Then you've got the larger ones, the McCanns, the Sabas, and then you get a Cardiff. Got, got a whole tranche of them up there. But there's not many people here, and of course. When you're trying to look for people to to come and work for you, if they're not already working for a local authority or if they're working for uh, the Sabas or the McCanns or the Bullock Consultants, there's no apprentices coming through who who, who really know CAD, you know, who know design. You know, um, years ago when you used to do your, your course C, you'd already done design in college. You're already working on drawings. You were doing cable cocks. You know, you were you you were sort of um, prepared for going to design. I don't think the industry does that anymore. You know, yeah. you've got to do your two three nine uh, two three nine two three nine six, is it? Yeah, that's the new one, is it? Yeah, you've got to do that now, which which is a good course. I think that's marvelous. I I I tell a lot of my contractors I work with. Listen, get on it. If you want to get on, if you want to get off the tools, get on to a 2396 course, do a CAD course, learn lighting design. Mm-hmm. Is it? There's, there's opportunities out there because the consultancies are not young. You know, the, you know, the, most of the guys are in their 40s, 50s and 60s like myself. There's no young consultancies coming through. You know, yeah, people will train them, the, the larger companies will. But um, I think there's an opportunity there for somebody to go go out and and learn. Um, used to be able to do a HNC in building services engineering around time, electrical installation and heating and ventilation. Hardly any colleges do that anymore. I think Bridgend provide the course um, locally, but that's mm. sort of 40 miles away from here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I struggle I struggle with that. Um, when I did mine, I did mine in Reading. Yeah. Um, and yeah, looking around now to try and do an, an HND, the only fit I can kind of get is the Open University. Um, it's, yeah. it's a real struggle to find it. Yeah, it's sad, really. You know, I did my HNC in 1987. Now, that HNC, because uh, it was pre-1988, is good enough uh, as a qualification to get me an eng. I would have loved to have finished my HNC and gone in to do an uh, electrical building services d- degree. But the only place I could have done that was in the South Bank University in London. By that time, I was already married. I didn't have any children at the time, but I, you know we had a mortgage, so I didn't have any chance to go and do a degree mm-hmm. um, straight after finishing my agency. Now you can do a, a bachelor of engineering or a bachelor of science in a local technical college. You know you do it day release for five mm-hmm. or six years. 
yeah i think i think times have changed in terms of um like iet and um, professional registration times have changed you're right it has changed for the better from an you know if you want to get on in higher education the opportunities are there gary much better than when i was in in, in you know uh, in my 20s yeah um yeah I, I, that's my only regret i didn't get to do a degree but i'm too old now no never you're never too old <laughs> my wife says i am i'm too old you're too old keith <laughs> sit down there in the corner put your pipe and slippers and watch the telly <laughs> no keep keep fighting keep edu- educating it's um it's been a fantastic, insightful conversation um, for the, you know, the history of your career. Um, I do have uh, one final question for you, though, which you, you're probably aware is coming. Yeah, and I, got, <laughs> I got more than one answer for you. <laughs> What's your favourite movie? Right. My favourite movies, I got I got quite a few, OK? I got about three or four. Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Love that film. Yeah. Can watch and watch it. Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, I think we've had, yeah, we've had that. Yeah. yeah. Dances with Wolves. I haven't seen that. Is that uh, oh, Kevin Costner? Yeah. And if you want to watch a good film, my friend, you've got to watch Twin Towns. Twin Twin Town. It's it's a, it's a Welsh film, a comedy based in Swansea, full of Welsh humour, touches on other sort of things, you know, going on in the city over the years. Yeah. And it, it is absolutely hilarious. It is really I'll, I'll see if I can find that and, you and need give to that watch a go. That. Yeah, but I think Shawshank Redemption is my favourite of all time. Uh, I, I can't count the amount of people who've said that now. It's yeah. uh, definitely the number one on the list. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's been fascinating chatting with you. And, thank uh, you very much. It's been good talking to you as well, my friend. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening.